Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. We're, we're doing this series for the summer called Sit, Walk, Stand. And as Pastor Brad did such a good job of introducing last week, those three words are actually words that occur in the book of Ephesians, which is what we're going to do. We're going to study the book of Ephesians this summer. We even have a study guide. If you, I hope you have your study guide. Today we're going to be on page 18. If you're new here or if you just haven't been here the past couple of weeks and you want a study guide right now, raise your hand and somebody will bring it to you. If you want a study guide, well, somebody will bring one. Yeah, there's it right here in the front. Okay, If you need one, please leave your hand up until you get one. But these study guides have uh, a lot of purposes, but the whole letter of Ephesians is in here. And if you look on page 18, what you'll see is that today it has the message title, it has the scripture, it has the take-home point, and the commitment. And then there's a little box that says during the week. And every week, this will be the the case with every passage. And we're going to go verse by verse through all six chapters of Ephesians this summer. But as Pastor Brad mentioned, the letter to the Ephesians is uh, in two basic parts, two sections. There's a section on doctrine, sound doctrine. And the word doctrine, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a churchy word. It, all it really means is God's truth. And, and so God's truth is demonstrated first in the first part. And then in the second part is practical application of how we can live more like Jesus. And that's, um, you know, the, the second part of the book. So the, the reason for the title sit, sit is because in the truth part, this is the key truth in the book of Ephesians. We have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. Redeemed means that we were slaves to sin and death, and Jesus died on the cross so that he could purchase our freedom. And and we're no longer, we don't have to be slaves to sin and death anymore because Jesus died, and when we claim that in our lives, when we're born again is what Jesus called it, or become new creatures, what the Apostle Paul called it. It says in Ephesians 2, which we're going to get to next week, uh, I'm real excited because that's one of my favorite passages, but anyway, um, we, we sit with Jesus Christ in the heavenlies is what it says. And so one day that's literally going to be true. We're going to sit next to Jesus. Now, I don't know if we like take turns or what, but you know, we get to sit with Jesus. Now in this life, we get to sit with him by having him inside of us through the Holy Spirit. And that's the truth part that's in the first couple chapters that we're, you know, working through in these first few weeks of the series. But then what comes next is walk. And, and so what we do uh, as followers of Jesus, if you're an old guy like me, you say, my walk with Jesus is going well, or my walk with Jesus isn't going so well. And what that means is how I'm living my life with Jesus. And the reason it's called a walk is because in the original Greek New Testament, often the authors would use the word peripateo, which literally means to walk. But nowadays, most of the more modern translations say live. So the series could be called Sit, Live, Stand, But I think the image of sit and then walk, because if I'm going to go somewhere, I'm sitting, I usually walk, you know. So walk seems like a good image. And then stand, as Pastor Brad told us last week, is stand against the enemy. And that's chapter 6, so we won't get to there until August. But we're going to talk about how we need to stand against the enemy because he's real. The devil is real, and he's working very hard in in these uh, latter days which is what the Bible says we're in ever since the, the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. We we're in the last days. And so the devil is working really hard against us. Now, if you want to um, you know, 
do more than just come and listen or watch on the video if you can't come. Uh, you want to do a little deeper study. There's a book called Sit, Walk, Stand by Watchman Nee, and it's available out in the book uh, kiosk, and you can pick one up if you would like to after worship today. But as we move today into Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, I want to remind you of, uh, of two formulas that I remind us of quite often since they came to my mind in 2010. And that is information minus application is just information. But information plus application equals transformation. You see, there are people who think that this book is just an ancient book that's irrelevant for today. But the Word of God is in here, and the Bible tells us, the, the Word of God tells us this about itself. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, The Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And uh, as I think about that, I think about how I have read this book since I was six years old. When, when I was six years old, I learned to read, and I started reading the Bible. And so, as you can imagine, I have gained a lot of information from this book, a lot of wisdom and knowledge from this book. I, I mean, I've read through it dozens of times in my life. And, and, and the thing is, that's a wonderful thing, but it doesn't do anything until we apply it. We can read this book a hundred times. And it won't change anything until we apply it. And I was listening to this pastor named Francis Chan uh, this past week. And what Pastor Chan was saying was that often Christians will not evangelize, that is, tell somebody else about Jesus, because they feel like they have been, um, if, they, if they do tell somebody about Jesus, they feel like a salesperson who's trying to sell a product that hasn't worked for them to somebody else. And the reason we would feel that way is if we had the information, but we haven't received the transformation because we haven't walked it out in our daily lives. And, and I believe Pastor Chan is absolutely right. I mean, there are a lot of Christians who don't even have the information these days, but a lot of us have the information, but it won't change us until we take the step of letting the Holy Spirit change us from the inside out. And that's really what we're going to talk a lot about today as we go into Ephesians chapter 1, verses um, 15 to 23. I like to get to the action part, but that's getting ahead of myself. We're going to get to that in you know, a few weeks. We're in the doctrine part, the, the God's truth part. But the reason I want to get to this action part of an application as quick as we can is because we live in an era where people don't believe there's truth. You know, we live in a world where people say, doctrine, <laughs> whatever you think is what you think. You know, it doesn't matter. It, it does matter. But here's the thing I know. People don't always believe what we say but they can't deny what we do. If I tell somebody I love them, they don't have to believe that. But if I actually love them with my life, then they'll experience that. If, if somebody's hurting and I'm there to comfort them, if somebody, is, if somebody doesn't have any money, no food to eat, and I take them and eat with them, then, then they can't deny the reality of the action. And that's why the action is so important. The words are important. The, walk, the, the talk is important, but the walk is so crucial. And so during the course of the summer, we're going to do, do talking about the talk mostly these first few weeks, and then we'll get to the walk. But you can't separate the walk and the talk. It, it has to be together. And, and here's what I know, and, and um, Lucy's going to put this up on the screen. We're afraid that unless we walk perfectly, people won't believe we're seated with Jesus. In other words, people won't believe our talk. We, they won't believe that Jesus in, we're sitting right next to Jesus unless we walk perfectly. The biggest thing we're afraid of as Christians today is that somebody will think we're a hypocrite. 
And a hypocrite is somebody whose walk and talk don't match up, right? And so because we're not perfect, we're afraid to, to, to say anything to anybody about what we believe. And here's the truth. We're never going to walk perfectly. Ever. Only Jesus walked perfectly, and that's why he could die on the cross and redeem us. But, but if we wait until we walk perfectly to tell people why we're doing what we're doing and, and the source of our change, which there will be change, if we wait till we're perfect, we'll never tell anybody anything. It's sort of like a baby, and when a baby's born, the baby can't walk. I walked at, that's a pretty good cue, do you see that? Okay, um, we'll do that again next service, can you stick around? Um, so, so anyway, when I was born, I had an older brother who was 14 years old, and, and he made me do like 400 push-ups a day, 200 sit-ups a day, I'm just kidding, but he literally like exercised me. I learned to walk when I was seven months old. That's young, I think. Um, seven months old, I could walk because I had this brother who wouldn't let me alone, you know? Uh, and, but the thing is, the first time I tried to walk at seven months of age, I don't remember this and we don't have, you know, no videos of it. My phone was broken that day. Uh, but, but, but the bottom line is the first time I walked, I fell down. The second time I walked, I fell down. And a whole bunch of other times I fell down. And here's the thing. If we wait until we walk perfectly, we'll never walk. If a baby waited until it could walk perfectly, it would never walk. And so in our life as followers of Jesus, the key for us today is that we need to walk as poorly as we walk until we walk better. Jesus said when we are born again, that's what he called it. We have this new spiritual life. We're babies, and so we have to learn to walk. And whether we walk wobbly or we walk bad or whatever, you know, we just need to tell people that we are walking with Jesus, and over time, our walk will get more effective. And that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about during this series this summer. So right now, let's look at our take-home point. If you're on page 18, you'll see the take-home point there. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have one of those books. Um, and it's a very key, crucial truth. It is that God's power is infinite, and yet it's focused in a direction few would ever expect. God's power is infinite, but it's focused in a direction few would expect. Now, the title, if you, again, the title of this year, the, the message today is Infinite Cosmic Power. If you're a Disney fan, you know that this is a takeoff on the Aladdin movie. Because in the Aladdin movie, the genie says to Aladdin, the problem with being a genie is phenomenal cosmic power in an itty-bitty living space. Right? Remember that? The, the genie has all this power, but it's in this little lamp, and he's chained to the lamp. He's a slave to the lamp. He's not free. And, and I know genies don't exist. I know it's just a cartoon, but the truth is incredible. The truth is every source of power has limitations but one. God's power is infinite. God's power is not limited. And God created the entire universe. Can you imagine the power it took to do that? God created every natural and supernatural force in the universe. God had all this infinite power, and he used it to create us. That's what nobody would expect. Nobody would expect. I mean, if you had infinite cosmic power, what would you do with it? My guess is you might do something different than just create people who are going to turn against you. But that's what God did. So let's turn to Ephesians 1, verse 15, and here's what it says. Paul, the apostle, wrote this letter to a church that he had started or planted uh, several years before. He's now in prison, and he's writing to encourage them, and he says this. And remember, Pastor Brad already did the first 14 verses last week. If you missed it, it's online. Um, so, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. 
So Paul wrote this letter primarily to instruct and encourage the believers in Ephesus. Paul wrote a lot of letters, and they all became part of the New Testament. Well, many of them became part of the New Testament. The interesting thing is, when Paul wrote to Corinth and Colossae and Galatia, the letters weren't like this. The letters contained a lot of correction. Y'all don't get it. You need to change. You know, and in some cases, if you don't change, you're going to be lost. But here, he doesn't do any of that. This is all instruction and correction, because Paul loved this church. And Paul said, you know, ever since I heard, what he's saying is I haven't been around for a while, but I'm hearing you're still doing the same thing. Your faith is growing, and you have love for God's people everywhere. Now, I've been part of eight churches in my lifetime. Since I was born, I have gone to eight different churches, from the time I was a little baby until now. And of the eight churches that I've been part of, New Life is the one for which I have given the most thanks and praise to God. And I mean that with all sincerity. Because just like Paul... I have seen your faith growing, and I have seen your love for God's people everywhere growing as your pastor. And so I give thanks to God every day for you. I really do, just like Paul gave thanks every day. Now, am I saying that new life is perfect? Of course not. Hey, I'm your pastor, right? <laughs> that alone would mean it's not perfect. But, but the thing is, the church in Ephesus wasn't perfect either. But Paul saw growth. Paul saw continuing growth in the faith, continuing growth in love for people everywhere. And here's what I know. The church in Ephesus didn't have any buildings. They never did. And here at New Life, we didn't have buildings for nine of our 12 years or 15 years together. Um, and yet God has grown our faith. I've seen your faith grow year by year by year. I've seen your love for God's people everywhere. In fact, if I could call up Cuba right now and call up some of the churches that we've planted, I know what they would tell me. We've been praying for you every day because they've been giving thanks for you. Because your prayers and your finances, and, and you're giving me a week every year to go and teach down there, is making an impact for God's people in that country. So Paul is saying the same thing that I would say. Because Paul planted this church, and he loved the people, and he saw God doing amazing things. And I planted this church, and I get to still be here, and I get to see from week to week to week what God is doing among you. So then Paul says this, I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Now, Paul has just thanked them, uh, um, God for the growth of their faith and their love for other people. And he knows if that's going to keep happening... If the Ephesian believers are going to continue to grow in their faith, if they're going to continue to have love for God's people everywhere, they need increasing spiritual insight and wisdom. Now, by saying spiritual insight and wisdom, Paul was implying there's other kinds of insight and wisdom. There is. There's worldly insight and wisdom. And we live in the information age, right? We think that if we just can, you know, if we don't have some information, all we have to do is Google it and we'll have it. And so then we'll have power because knowledge is power. But what Paul is saying is, knowledge is power, but it's the kind of knowledge that's important, knowledge of God. Because if you have spiritual wisdom insight, you will increase, I will increase, we will increase in our knowledge of God. And you might be thinking, okay, now here's the application. You need to read your Bible more. That's a good application. But the people in Ephesus didn't have Bibles. <laughs> they were Gentiles, meaning they weren't Jews, so they didn't even have the Old Testament. They didn't have a Bible. And Paul is saying, I pray constantly that your spiritual wisdom and insight will grow so that your knowledge of God will grow. What was he talking about? Well, I don't know exactly what he was talking about, but I have an application from my own life. Eight and a half years ago, I had a really bad problem. I still have some really bad problems. But one of my really bad problems eight and a half years ago was anger, inappropriate anger. 
And so I read this book called Change Your Heart, Change Your Life. And in this book, Gary Smalley said, you know, what you need to do in a situation where you have a problem in a certain area of your life is you have to apply the insight, the, the truth of God into that situation. And so I, I, you know, I prayed and said, God, what do I need to do? And so one verse came to me, and you're all going to probably know this verse, because even people that don't go to church know this verse. It's Matthew 7, verse 12. We call it the golden rule. So in all things, do to others what you'd have them do to you, for this sums up all the law and the prophets. And I started praying, praying that verse, not reading that verse, but praying it day by day, dozens of times a day. When I got in situations like, you know, have you ever been in a checkout line at the grocery store and the 10 items only, and the person in front of you has 12? Doesn't that just... Okay, so, so you're better off. I mean, you don't have that problem. Well, I have that problem, all right? Or, 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 you know, you're driving down a road and somebody cuts you off and you're like, you know, I, I mean, now what I do is eight and a half years later, because of focusing on that one verse and that insight, you know, and the Holy Spirit, the power, infinite power of God in my life, I just go, really? You know, like, I mean, there's a little bit more to the really after that. I mean, <laughs> but, but it's unsaid these days. You know, and I'm trying to get it shorter and shorter. But you didn't even, I mean, I couldn't, I mean, it's X-rated probably what I said before, eight and a half years before, right? So here's the thing. How does God use his infinite cosmic power? In lots of ways, but here's one way. He applies it to the hearts of people like you and me so that we can become like him. Now, nobody would expect that. <laughs> nobody would expect that the God of the universe would take his infinite cosmic power and give it to you and give it to me so we can become like him but that's what he does. And then Paul goes on to say this. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Light is always a biblical image given to talk about God's presence and his transformation. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, right? So when Jesus came into the world, he knew there was darkness and everywhere Jesus went, he dispelled the darkness. And when Jesus talked to Nicodemus, in John chapter 3, we all know John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that whoever believed, or they gave his only God's son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But it goes on to say a few verses down that once we have that, we walk in the light. Our lives change. Our walk is different. And those who don't have that experience of transformation, where do they walk? In darkness. And so here Paul says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. Why? Because out there in the real world, sometimes it's hard to remember there is a God. That there's a God who loves us. It's hard to remember sometimes in the midst of overwhelming darkness that there's light. I don't know what your situation is today. I don't know what you're going through, but unless you're extremely unusual, there's some darkness in your life. You know, you're hurting physically, or, or, or maybe there's a relationship that's broken, or maybe you just lost a loved one, or, or, or maybe um, you're suffering through an addiction that, that just, just knocking you down, or, or maybe there's a particular sin that you just can't overcome. And in the midst of that, what Paul says is, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. And sometimes, a lot of times, the reason we walk in darkness is because we don't know what the light is or we don't remember what the light is or we don't know the truth. And so we're, we're purposely walking that way. But many times, even when we're walking in Jesus Christ, when he's right there with us and we're even seated with him and we know we are, there's still hard stuff that comes down life's way. And I remember reading about a guy 
um, who had a son who, and this guy was a Christian, committed Christian, and his son got cancer. And it was hard for him to remember that there was a God and that that God loved him in the midst of that. And so he came up with a statement, and, and here it is. Don't doubt in the darkness what you've seen in the light. Don't doubt in the darkness what you've seen in the light. You see, there's a lot of darkness, and, and sometimes it seems overwhelming, but, but we've seen the light. If Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord, we've seen the light of the world. If he is living in us by the power of his Holy Spirit, he's inside of us. And, and I really like the original Greek of this says, may the eyes of your heart be opened, or enlightened, I should say. May the eyes of your heart be enlightened. And sometimes that's what we need. We need to see the way things are through the light of Jesus Christ. Because sometimes it just doesn't seem like that. But it's always like that. So that's what Paul says to do next. And then he says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Have you noticed that this is just one long prayer? Paul says, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. And, and each thing he, he's building, and here he comes to this infinite cosmic power, right? He's saying, I pray that you will understand the greatness of God's power. And, and the reason for that is, I think, very simple. Because when we go through these dark times in our lives, it's, it's easy to think that we have to do it our, ourselves, that after we are saved by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, after we're redeemed and set free by the power of his blood, that now we have to do it ourselves. And sometimes, many times over the years, people have come to me and said, Pastor Chris, I don't understand. I've been trying so hard to be a better Christian, and I'm just not getting better. And I say the same thing every time somebody says that to me. You're never going to get better. You will never be better. I'm not a better person than I was 50 years ago. I'm not a better person than I was five years ago. I'm not a better person than I was five minutes ago. But I am much more like Jesus today than I've ever been. And you know why? Because that infinite cosmic power has been imputed to me, has been given to me, has been put in my heart. And he's been changing me from the inside out. Sometimes when we have this idea that we have to get better it just frustrates us because we're not going to get better. Paul, at the end of Paul's life, you know what Paul said? It's no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. He didn't say I became a better person. He said Jesus Christ is in me. And so here, I underlined this in my message because I wanted to say, make sure you heard this. I have come, that's me, I have come to understand that God's infinite cosmic power is far more than enough to transform me, but it will take nothing less than that. I've come to understand that God's infinite cosmic power is more than enough to transform Chris Marshall. But it will take nothing less than that. Because I, I'm so locked into my lamp, if you will, to sin, that I'm never going to be free in my own power. I'm never going to become better. I'm never going to become good enough. And, and no one in the room will. I, I know there are probably a lot of people in this room who by your nature are far better than I am. But that's never enough. The only thing that's enough is the infinite cosmic power of God. And he's given it. And who, would have, who would have expected that? That the God of the universe who could have done anything with his power that he wanted to. I mean, if I had infinite cosmic power, I'd be taking over some nations. I'd be healing all the diseases in the world. I'd be padding my bank account. But God took his infinite cosmic power and put it inside human hearts. 
and human spirits and human souls. And he changes us from the inside out. And the thing is, Paul gets so excited about this that he says, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. You see, God's infinite cosmic power was going to change us, but before it could change us, the penalty had to be paid for our sin because we couldn't do it. So God used the power that he had, that infinite cosmic power, to raise his son from death. Think about that. I have known of people, actually, we all who were here and met Pastor Barbara from Cuba have seen somebody who died and came back to life. But she's going to die again. Jesus died and came back to life. He's never dying again. That's the kind of power that God has. And he applied it into our lives. And that's the point. And he says, because of this, because he has done this, Paul breaks into praise for Jesus. He says, now he, that is Jesus, is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. That's God's people. You see, we're always looking for something outside of us to change the world. We think that if we get a new president, and I don't care whether it's a man or a woman or what, it's going to change the country. It's not. You know, we think if we had a few more bucks, you know, it would change us. It won't. We think that if we just worked harder, exercised more, ate better, did something, nothing's going to change us. You know, and, and as long as we're looking for something outside of us to change us, we will never receive the infinite cosmic power of God inside of us. And that's the only thing that changes. Anyone. Only thing that ever has changed. Anyone. And so what Paul is doing is saying, look, I love y'all. I don't know if he was a southern guy or not, but I, I love you, all of you. And, and, I, I, and I, I pray for you every day. But the thing that I pray is that you will continue to understand the power of God and let it work in you because that's the power that raised Jesus from the dead and Jesus is now over all of us and he's the authority that we ought to be looking to, no other authority to change our lives. And that's what Jesus did. He took some just of some ordinary people and he invested his life for three years with those ordinary people and then he left and he left his cosmic power, his infinite cosmic power in them through his spirit and he said, change the world. And we've seen pockets of change throughout the world down through those last 2,000 years. But that wasn't the plan. The plan was that we would all become like that and the world would become a different place. Imagine if this group of people, just the ones at this worship gathering, would go out and live in this power this week. There would be a ripple effect that would be felt across the nation, probably across the world. Because Jesus only had 12. And there's way more than 12 just in this worship gathering. And, and so what Paul says last is this for today. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. The church, that's us, is his body. We're the hands of Jesus, the feet of Jesus, the mouth of Jesus, the eyes of Jesus, the heart of Jesus. If people are going to know the truth and the love of Jesus, it's going to come from us. It's not going to come from a new law being passed. It's not going to come from, you know, some kind of new economic program. It's not going to come from any of those things. It's going to come from us. And as we change, everything changes. Because it's the infinite cosmic power of the God of the universe in us. I don't think anybody saw that one coming. 
You see, after Adam and Eve sinned, the world was broken, and God established a people named Israel, and, and that group of people was supposed to you know, spread God's power and influence across the world, and, and he gave them a sacrificial system of animal sacrifices in order to bring you know, the sin out of their lives, but it didn't work effectively. And, and eventually, God sent his son, not just for Jews, but for everybody, and that's what Paul said, to redeem us from the mess we were in. And from the moment that mess changes, we can start to sort of walk. Not very well, but little by little by little, better and better, as we let the power of God strengthen us. And so Francis Chan, let's go back to Francis Chan. And he says, you know, people don't want to tell people about Jesus because it's sort of like salespeople who are telling somebody about a product hasn't worked for them, hasn't worked for us if it hasn't worked for us because we have just had information and not, and not transformation. We have maybe believed in our heads that there's a God who has a son named Jesus who died on the cross and rose from the dead and reigns in power over us and prays for us, but it hasn't made you know, that 18-inch journey to our hearts. Our, our, our lives are not changed enough that there's a, a difference that people can see, and so we're afraid to talk about something that even we haven't seen. And, and it's never going to be perfect. But I know, I know some of you, I've known some of you since you were born. I've known, I was thinking about Christopher singing up here today. I've known him since he's in second grade. You know, he's not in second grade anymore. And I've seen changes in his life. He's become a young man of God. And I know that. And, and, and not perfectly, none of us are, but, but more and more, day by day, I've seen it. And I know that that's what's going to happen if we let the infinite cosmic power of God reign in our lives today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day, and people will be writing a paper about it because, you see, they don't care what we say. They really don't. I mean, I just got asked to go on Christian television, whatever, CTV, on Tuesday to do an interview about Jesus. Well, okay, that's wonderful. I mean, it really is wonderful, but just a bunch of Christians are going to watch it. You know? I want people to write in a newspaper that there's a bunch of Christians in Saxonburg whose love for Jesus and the power of the infinite power of God is so radical in their lives that they're doing stuff that who could imagine? Loving people nobody loves and welcoming people nobody welcomes, helping hurting people that nobody else is helping, and letting the love of God and the faith of God grow into a crescendo. It's like a tidal wave like we sang about. You know, I mean, come on, let's do more and sing about it, huh? I'm a little excited this morning. That's what the Word of God does to me. You know, every time I open up the Word of God, it changes me. Because I'll be honest with you, my alarm went off at 6 o'clock this morning. No, 5.45 this morning. I went, man, i got to sleep another hour. I don't want to get up. And yesterday at 3.30, I turned to Nancy. I said, I don't feel like going to church today. I didn't. But here I am. (laughs) I feel like it now. You see, I learned that from my dad. This is supposed to be at the end. I'm going to do it right now. I learned this from my dad the hard way. My alarm went off one day, and I, I didn't want to get out of bed. My dad was home. He usually wasn't, but he was home. And he said, hey, why aren't you up? I was like, I don't feel like getting out of bed. He said, get up. A little more to that than that, but okay. That's the, that's the, that's the, that's the short version. So I got up, and I told him I couldn't drive. I was too hurt and too bad. I couldn't drive to work, so he drove me to work. I was not happy with my dad that morning. And I got to work at 7.30, and then uh, about 10.30, 
I started feeling better. And I realized my dad was right about something. I should have gotten out of bed. Because if I did what I felt like doing for the rest of my life, I wasn't going to amount to anything. Because God didn't create us to sleep all day. But if I did what I didn't feel like doing because it was the right thing to do, eventually I'd feel like this. And that's what happens when the infinite cosmic power of God gets joined with actually just common sense. It changes things. Most of all, it changes us. And when we get changed, it changes everything. Don't expect a new president to change anything for you in a good kind of way. <laughs> I don't care who it is. Don't expect the, the next bill that passes in Congress to, to, to do something better for you. Don't even expect anybody to make a difference that's going to be eternal in your life except for the eternal God of the universe. He's the only one that can. And so here's the commitment for today. The commitment is simply this. I will bring God glory by living in his power this week. As Pastor Brad mentions, not just last week, but all the time, you know, God exists to bring glory to himself. And that seems sort of selfish unless you're God. But if you are the God of the universe, then you should bring glory to yourself because you're the one that nobody else can be like because you are the perfect one. And so how do we bring glory to God in our lives from this scripture? It's very simple. Not easy, but very simple. We do it by living in his power. All he wants us to do, all he wants us to do is to let our walk match our talk. That's all he wants. And he says, and I know you won't do it. I know you haven't been doing it. Well, you've been doing a little bit, maybe a little more. But I don't care about that. I care about right now. In fact, I'm just waiting for you to say, please give me some of that infinite cosmic power. I love that about God. You know, I screw up all the time. And he doesn't care about that as much as he cares that I repent, turn away from it, and say, can you give me some more power? Not for my benefit, not for my glory. I don't want to take over a nation today, God. I just want to proclaim to the nations that you're God. He'll, he'll, he's, he's down with that, you know. So what do you want to do with your life? I don't know what the answer to that question is, but this is what I know. If you want to do something that will matter for eternity, the first thing you got to do is get out of bed, even if you don't feel like it. The second thing you got to do is listen to God and let his power work in you because you're not going to get better this week without it. And the last thing we got to do is when somebody says, hey, man, you seem different in a good kind of way. Just say, yeah, that's Jesus. Don't, don't make a speech. Don't make a sermon. I mean, let me do the sermons, okay? <laughs> Just say, that's Jesus. If they want to know more, tell them more. If they don't want to know more, wait till they do. Because I guarantee you they're going to want to know more. Paul prayed for the people of Ephesus that the power of God would move from their heads into their hearts into the world. And that's my prayer today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we don't have to just read your word and then go home and forget about it. But we can read your word and we can hear it and then we can call on you and you'll change us from the inside out. God, I thank you so much that there's something we can do right now. Whether it's number one, if we have never trusted you as Savior and Lord, to do that.
And God, if there's anybody in the room right now who, who has never trusted you, your son Jesus, Savior and Lord, I pray that right now they would say, yes, come into my life, take over. I want this new life that the pastor's been talking about. And God, I pray that in this instant they will know that transformation that only you can bring. And for the rest of us, God, who've already said yes, I pray for a new infusion of your power, your infinite cosmic power, that we might love with that unfailing love, that we might speak your truth boldly and yet humbly, that we might do more of living as light and salt than we have ever done so that people will be amazed at you and give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.